Well, who's excited about next week? The big grand opening. Isn't that cool? Um, I'm, I'm Colin Craggs, uh, husband of Carolyn, which is my big claim to fame. <coughs> Thank you. Um, so I, I'm involved in the small group ministry here, and so today's message is all about trying to get you guys to sign up to this thing. And so there's a few ways that can be done. One is fill out the card, um, put your name, phone number, email address, and we'll follow you up, 100% guaranteed. The other one um, option is after the service, we have some iPads out the back at the Connect desk. So you can sign up there and put in all your details and someone will follow you up. The other option is you can use your mobile phone. And so we're going to go through some slides and I'll take you through how to do that if you would like to do that now. Um, the good thing is, is because, you know, we want you to sign up. Um, so during the service, if you get bored, just pull out your phone and you can use your phone and I'm going to assume you're signing up. So I'll feel good. You won't be bored. Everyone, it's a win-win. So um, can we put up the first slide? So this is the, the website page um, if you go to Oasis Church Perth. And up the top there is the word grow. You want to click on grow. That'll take you to the next. That'll drop down that little menu. Click on small groups and then a new page will open up. So let's say all of the groups will be there. And say you want to do the Alpha Fellowship group, click on that. And then this screen will appear with, you know, lovely couple, Clay and Tenille, awesome. Clay did a great men's gathering last night. Tenille did an awesome trifle. I assume Tenille did it. It tasted really good, so I'm, I'm going with Tenille instead of Clay. Um, <laughs> click on the Join This Group. Kind of fun. And then this was to pop up. Put in your email address, click continue. It'll come up and say, well done. And then they will follow you up and give you more details um, about their group, the times, where to meet, etc. It's that simple. And you can do that with your phone while I speak. Not offended. So just in case, this morning I want to talk about when the little children come to Jesus and the young rich ruler. Those stories go together. So just in case I completely botch the passage and lose you along the way, the goal of this message is for you to feel inspired to sign up to small groups. So just bear that in mind when we get to the end. If you're like, what on earth was that about? It is, oh, I should sign up to small groups. Small groups are a good idea. I do head up that ministry, so... I am biased. This is a biased message. <laughs> so look, the, the passage we're going to look at um, appears in Matthew, Mark and Luke. The same time you have little children come to Jesus and then the young rich ruler comes to Jesus. The same, the same two stories. A couple of little differences. Matthew um, mentions that he's uh, young. Luke mentions that he's a ruler. All three mention that he's wealthy. So it's a, it's a story about this young rich ruler that comes to Jesus. Now Mark itself was written to a group of persecuted Christians designed to say to them, this is how you follow Jesus. This is how in the midst of persecution, in the midst of people harassing you, this is how you follow Jesus. And that's the big, big picture 
of what the Gospel of Mark is all about. And so then we come to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Let me just pull that up. I was using a different version, so let me just pull up the same one on the screen. So people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. So Jesus, and by the way, that's one of the reasons why we stop the service, put our arms on the kids, bless them before we send them out. Because Jesus loves children. He loves them. And at Oasis, we love children. We love adults too. We also love children. And there's something special about pausing in the service and saying we bless our children. But this passage is more than just about children. Um, it's a language of connection. It's the language of closeness. These, these adults, some could be uncles, aunts, parents, they're trying to bring their children to Jesus. There's something about Jesus that they're saying, we want our kids to come to Jesus. We want him to embrace them. Jesus is about connection. We ended up in this, this world of sin because we got disconnected from God. And Jesus, if he's about one thing, it's about reconnecting people. He's about intimacy and closeness. The disciples, you know, they're, they're on about the mission. You know, they're learning from Jesus. They're, they're focused. They're wanting to do their best. They're, they're in there, but they've lost that it, the priority is connection and closeness and intimacy. And so for the disciples, it's like, you know, keep the kids over there because Jesus is busy. Jesus is busy doing important stuff. And the kids, well, you don't have much to offer. In terms of human resources, it, it's not like they can help. More often than not, when kids get involved, it slows things down becomes messy. Um, Marie Kondo, everyone heard of Marie Kondo? She gets asked the question, how do you keep your house tidy with kids? And even she goes, it's hard. She's a professional. And she goes, it's hard. Because kids don't really help a lot. They, they tend to create more of a mess, slow things down. Um, financially, they're not, they don't bring in a lot of money. Don't bring. The global financial crisis was good, you know. Rudd, there's a grand. Didn't go far. Kids just kind of suck the money out of the wallet. And it's from that, you know, really from an, an adult perspective. And the reality is, the reality is, as society increases in its materialistic attitude, the number of children go down. Because wealth and having kids, they don't go together. Just, they don't work. 
And it's in that context that the disciples are saying, you know, these kids are just going to drain Jesus. He's out, he's busy doing important stuff, slowing down. That's really tough. Keep, keep Jesus where he's going to make the most impact. And Jesus gets indignant. Indignant. That's a really strong word. He's indignant. He is angry with them. He is frustrated with them. Here he is training these people, trying to show them love, and they just miss it. And he says, no, let the children come. Let them come. Don't hinder them from coming. And then Jesus says, you know what, not just, not just the children, but guys, understand this. If you don't receive the kingdom of God like them, you're not going to get it. And the thing with children is that they receive. They do, they receive. They, they don't come with, hey, what can I, you know, they often want to help, but it's not like they come to offer a lot of value other than who they are. That's the thing about children. You have a baby, you look at the baby, and pretty well from birth, they've already probably pooed on you. They're looking at you hungry. They're going to keep you up all night. But we've already bought in. And it's not because of what they're doing. It's because of who they are. And Jesus gets that. It's about who we are. It's about that connection and that closeness. And that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Guys, you've got to receive that connection because that's what it's about. We come with open hands to the Father. That's what he's trying to teach the disciples. Good if you bring stuff. Good if you add value. But you know what? You are the prize that Jesus is after. And that's how we receive the kingdom of God. Out of that, we flow connection and community. We get Jesus and we get to encounter him. That's the reward. We get him, he gets us. And that's what's happening in that encounter with the children. The disciples didn't get that. And then, soon after that, Matthew, Mark and Luke, we have a young man who comes up to Jesus. And it's not a story which is going to illustrate how we receive. It's actually going to show the opposite. It's going to show us what gets in the way of us receiving. It's a negative example. We're supposed to learn from it. So here's this young man. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. I like that one. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, he went away sad because he had great wealth. 
we could mistake that Jesus is saying, well, it's not just about receiving the kingdom. You've got to go do stuff. You've got to give all your stuff away. But he's not saying that. He's saying something like what he said to the children. It's about coming and connecting. But let's be clear. This young rich ruler, he's, he's a, a good guy. He's a moral guy. Um, he's enthusiastic. It's not like, you know, he strolls up to Jesus. He, he runs to Jesus. He runs to him. He's, he's enthusiastic. There's Jesus. He has an answer that I need. And he runs to Jesus. It's quite undignified for adults to run. You look at people in the city wearing their lovely suits when they're late for, for work or late for a meeting. They kind of do the little, you know. They don't run. They don't, you know, they don't commit. This guy, he's committed. He's run up to Jesus because he doesn't want to miss the opportunity. And when he gets there, he's, he's humble enough to kneel before Jesus as he talks with him. He hasn't come with any arrogance. He's not an arrogant, wealthy man. He's humble. And he's also spiritual. I mean, he's come. He, he knows there's something in his heart that's missing. And he comes to ask the question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He's going, you know, life is good. I've, I've kind of got things in order. I, I passed the, you know... Marie Kondo method of cleaning and, and that's all done and, and I've made my money and, and that's going really well, but, but something's not right. Something's not quite there. Jesus has the answer and he comes to Jesus and he asks a good question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? The guy is moral. He's a good guy. He honors his parents. He hasn't lied. He's not defrauding anyone. He made his wealth in a right way, in a good way. He hasn't stolen anything. But Jesus does give him an answer that he's not happy with. And the guy goes away sad. Because he didn't get he didn't get what Jesus was trying to offer. We could mistake Jesus for saying, well, Jesus is giving him work salvation. Go away, do these five things, and you're good to go. But that's not the context. We're already clear about when the children come, it's not about what they're bringing. So Jesus isn't saying that. Jesus isn't saying, mate, here's the stuff. Jesus is saying something else to this guy. In fact, nowhere else in Scripture do we read of Jesus telling anyone, go sell all your stuff. He says different things to different people, but he doesn't say that to anyone else. Now, if you feel convicted to give your stuff, I have bank details, happy to give them. <laughs> Just saying, if you, feel, if you feel that way, want to help you to do that. But here, here are the, here's the, the thing, pulling it back, pulling it back. Jesus has already said, let them come. Because he wants connection and he wants closeness. When this man comes to Jesus, it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, I don't know what that look was. But wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be lovely? You know, you get to work Monday morning and when people look at you in the eye, you look at them and you love them. And they feel that and they know that. Jesus is not coming at this guy from, oh, I've got you here. He looked at him and he loved him and Jesus went after this guy's heart. Jesus went, you know what? We're going to get personal here. 
We're going to get very personal here. And he encountered this guy at a heart level. He didn't intellectually debate him. He went for the guy's heart. And Jesus said, you know, there's, you've raised the whole issue of good and you think you're good, but I'm going to ask you a question and that's going to reveal your heart. And when your heart is revealed, you're not going to look so good anymore. Because you see, this guy came going, I've got it all together. And he's blind to what's really going on in his heart. So Jesus asks him a question like only Jesus could, the right question that cuts to this man's heart. To the woman at the well, five marriages shacked up with a guy, Jesus didn't tell her, go sell all your possessions. He just said, go call your husband. Again, right to the heart, what is going on with you? Jesus is good at that. He's not going to fluff around with intellectual debates. He's going to go after your heart. And Jesus does that with this guy. And this guy's heart turns out that at the center of his heart is money. That's what it's about. He isn't coming to just receive. He's, he's wanting to have money at the center. Elsewhere, Jesus says you can serve money or you can serve God, but you can't do both. You can't do both. And this guy is going, how do I keep my wealth and how do I inherit the kingdom of God? The problem isn't that he's wealthy. That's, that's not the challenge to his heart. The challenge to his heart is he's not willing to love God with all his strength, with all his mind, with all his soul. He's worshipping his money and God is an add-on. God's an add-on for this guy. Jesus isn't trying to hold him back from the kingdom. Jesus is just saying to him, you know, you can't do add-on to the kingdom. It's not like, you know, you're trying to get healthy. You know, it's January, pretty well all of our New Year's resolutions are finished. <laughs> but, you know, beginning of the year, it's like, I'm going to get healthy. And so we start reading everything about health and we go, okay, I've got to get my diet right. So we read up about the latest diet, you know. Mosley's 800 just came out. So we start doing that or we go paleo or vegan or you know something you know but we, we pick up the diet and then you know we hit this plateau and it's like well what am I doing wrong someone says well you got to exercise oh I got to exercise so you get on the treadmill start doing the treadmill and then someone says no 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 you got to do strength training that's so much better than treadmill. so you start doing your strength training and then someone else says well you've actually also got to sleep and rest and recover and you go I like that one and and so it's like, hey, you've got to line all of these things up. And so the young rich rulers come to Jesus and it's like, hey, I got, you know, my mum and dad, that's good. I've got, I'm not cheating anyone. I've got a good business. I'm, you know, life is good, but I'm missing this one thing. Jesus, what do I have to do to add the kingdom of God to my life? It's, it's an add-on. If your life was a wheel and we had... You know, a pie for health and a pie for relationships, you know, a break off. And down here was your work. And where do you put Jesus to make him Lord of your life? Do you, do you put him on the outer parts of that or do you have him at the center? Because for this guy, he's going, oh, I know there's a part of my life missing. And I, I think it's you, Jesus. So can I just add you in? And Jesus is going, no. If you bring me in, I'm not coming in to be a part of your life. I'm coming to 
be at the center of it. I want to be at the center. I want to invade all of your life. Jesus doesn't come in to feel a little gap. He comes in to completely blow us apart. To Nicodemus, he says, you've got to be born again. It's not a good enough to just add the kingdom. We've got, to, we've got to, re- to hit the reboot button. It's all of life that Jesus is after. This young rich ruler is a good guy. He wants Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. He wants him to be a part, but not the whole. But you can't have Jesus as Savior if he's not your Lord. Legally, it doesn't work like that. You go to Thailand, get yourself into trouble. You know, someone puts a bit of pot in your bag and you get done. What do you do? You wave your Australian passport and you go help. And the Australian government comes in and they come by your side and they get legal representatives and they begin to help you in the midst of that. Even if you're guilty, they do that because you're an Australian citizen. If there is a conflict, you know, you go to some place and civil war breaks out, they will fly their army jets in, or usually the big bombers, pack you in and fly you out of there, regardless of the cost, because you're an Australian citizen. Australia has your back if you have an Australian passport. If you have an American passport, Australia will not help. The Americans will, but not the Australians, because you're not one of them. And the kingdom of God works the same way. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And if we come under the authority of Christ as Lord, we enter his kingdom and that's what saves us. Because we belong to his kingdom. And when Satan comes along and says, you deserve death, which we do. And he says, you deserve to be with me in hell forever, which we do. We wave our Jesus passport and say, I'm covered. That's called the blood of Christ. And it covers us. And it's not because of what we've done. You could be the worst Aussie on the planet. You could be nasty Aussie. But the government will still help you. Because you're still an Australian. Because that's how governments work. And spiritual governments work the same way. Under whose authority do you come? And so the young rich ruler is making this assumption that he can kind of hold on to his wealthy passport and add Jesus to the mix. And Jesus says, no, you're going to have to give that up and you're going to have to step over into my kingdom. It's not about the wealth. Jesus is about his heart. Jesus tells him five things. Go, sell, give it away. You will have treasure in heaven. And then, come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus is the prize. He's the treasure here. You get to come. Let's get rid of this stuff that's stopping you from fully being in, from being fully committed. Let's remove those things that have your focus too much, too much of a focus in your life. Let's deal with that and... Come follow me. It's not about his wealth. It could be lots of different things. For some people, it's pride. For some people, it's relationships. 
Today, often, it's people's kids. They'll do anything, but the kids are at the center instead of Jesus. For some people, it's careers. I'll do anything, but I'm not giving up my career. But Jesus has got to be that center. And here's the prize. I was given a book um, at Christmas time called Imagine Heaven, which is about this guy who was researching near-death experiences. That's a fascinating read. And as you read through it, you're like, hey, this reads like Revelation. But one of the things consistent time and time again, where people have near-death experiences, it is a being of love that is there. That, that's the prize. God, at the very core of who He is, is love. By definition, God is love. And it's that heart that God has, that connection with Him. That's the prize. That's why Jesus wants to be at the heart and center of our lives, because there the love flows out. Paul says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for God's glory. Everything we do when Jesus is at the center is permeated with his love. And that's what Jesus wants for you. So with the children, the disciples were an outside hindrance. And Jesus got angry about that. He gets angry when people put things in the way. One of the things here at Oasis, we try to make it as easy as possible for people to get connected. We have connect cards, we have the iPads, we have the web page. You can talk to people. We try to do whatever we can to make it as easy as we can. Do we make mistakes? Of course we do. But we do try to make it easy. After the service this week, we have Life Track. We try to make it easy. At the back, tables set up, food's coming, childcare is there. It's like the effort there is we want to remove the hindrances so that you find life. As much as possible, we want to remove those barriers. Is there more we can do? We're seeking to do better. Are there mistakes that we make? Of course there are. But we want to do everything we can to remove the hindrances. Because like Jesus, we're not happy when something gets in the way of you connecting with Jesus. But Jesus doesn't want to leave you in that place. Come as you are, come as you are. But Jesus loves you too much to leave you there. Jesus' agenda is not for you to just come into the kingdom of God. His goal is that you would experience life, an abundant life. And in this passage with the young rich ruler, the disciples go on to have more of a discussion with him. And Jesus says, you know, if you give up this stuff, you'll be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. Jesus isn't looking to deprive us. He's looking to bless us. It's what he does with the children. It's what he's wanting to do with us. But he's not prepared to let hard issues get in the way. And he will go after them. So again, here we have tough discussions with people. We have difficult discussions with people. Because we want to see you grow. We want to see you have that abundant life. That means sometimes it gets uncomfortable. And sometimes we make a mess of that. Because, you know, we're not perfect. We're close. <laughs> but we're not perfect. So we're going to make mistakes. We will make mistakes. 
We will push too hard sometimes. We'll miss opportunities sometimes. We'll overstep boundaries sometimes. But the heart is to see you grow and encounter more of Jesus in your life. That's the goal. That's why we have Life Track. That's why we have small groups. So we can get together, eyeball each other, have that connectedness, and then speak heart to heart. Where we can look at each other and love each other, see into the heart, and call it out. The motivations to bless. But here's, here's the big kicker. Jesus says, let them come. But he also says, let them go. He doesn't chase the young rich ruler. See, Jesus will never violate your rule over your life. He's not going to take away that power. He's not going to manipulate you. He's going to offer everything he has, but he's not going to, he's not going to manipulate you into the kingdom. He's not going to manipulate you to, to address hard issues and to help you grow. That's your choice. The ball is in your court. But that responsibility means that he will let them come and like the young rich ruler, he will let them go. And that's hard. Remember, Jesus has looked at him and loved him. Jesus is all about love and connection. And the hardest thing, the hardest thing is to watch disconnection happen. To watch that happen. And it breaks Jesus' heart. You know, Isaiah says God does not delight in that separation at all. We know God's commitment to that connection because he sent his son to be brutally killed. That's God's commitment to that reconnection. But he's not going to force that upon us. So at Oasis, we will do everything we can to help you get connected, to help you grow, to help you find life, to grow, to be connected to the community, to love others and make a difference in this community, the surrounding community, and in your workplace and in your relationships. We'll do everything we can, but we're not going to manipulate you. We're not going to force you. We're not going to take that power away from you. That is your choice. That is your choice. And we will do everything we can to love you in the midst of that. Because we want to be like Jesus. We will make mistakes every week. But we're going to do the best that we can to learn from that, to grow from that. And to keep moving forward with that. And those tough, those tough conversations, you know, they go both ways. They go both ways. And I, I can say as just another member of the church... The leadership of the church will hear what you have to say. And when you push back, they will listen. Because they know they're not perfect. They know everything is not right. But at the heart of their motivation is for you to find life and grow. That is there. That is there. And that's what Jesus wants for us as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that you love us dearly and passionately. I give you thanks that you let us come, warts and all, with all our mistakes, with all our sin. You receive us and thank you for that. But also thank you that you don't leave us there, that you do go after our heart. You help us to have that abundance of life. And so Heavenly Father, I pray for connections today. I pray for connections through life track, I pray for connections through small group. Heavenly Father, I pray for connections during fellowship time. 
I thank you for the connections that happen during our prayer time. And Father, I thank you that your spirit is here to help us to find life and to grow and to make a difference. So we commit this year as we move forward, as we launch next week, because we want to see the name of Jesus lifted up.